0: Well, good evening, everybody. I sat there too long waiting for the Apostles' Creed, but this isn't Sunday, is it? Just a disclaimer, I am mentally tired, so um, I think we should all do... How many people would say you're mentally tired right now? You can show hands. Yes. Okay. Um, Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's because I recorded three half-hour lectures for a class I'm writing this afternoon. But let's all do a mental exercise together. We're going to count to 100 in our heads... As quick as we can, starting now. Go. All right, I'm done. I counted by hundreds. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the wah wah, whoever did that. All right, so we are talking about life together. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we are grateful to be in your presence. We are grateful um, to laugh at ridiculous jokes that aren't funny. And Lord, um, we are just thankful that you have called us to be here together. Um, There's so many things we could be doing. There's so many things competing for our time and our interest in lives here today in this world, Um, but Lord, you call us to something far better than what the world offers, and I pray that 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 message tonight would just continue um, to sink into our hearts in a good and a real way, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we got that out of the way. All right, so life together is what we're talking about. So how's your life going? How's your life going with other people? Um, A lot of you are mentally tired, so you might say, eh, right now. But my hope is that not every day is like that. And my hope is that every day you can be refreshed by what God is calling you into as part of the body of Christ. And so this is our last installment in our Life Together series on Wednesday nights here. And we've looked at the law, more specifically the Ten Commandments. And we've looked at the Beatitudes and a bit of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, And Tonight we are kind of tying some things together. We're reaffirming the role of the law and how Jesus plays into the law and all that we need for life and righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. So if you've only been joining us on Wednesdays, you might say, hey, this is fresh, this is new. If you've been with us on Sundays, you know we've been in Romans since the beginning of September and you might say, Andrew, get some new material. But it's the gospel here tonight talking about Jesus fulfilling the law, and it ties in super well to what Paul has been arguing throughout the book of Romans thus far. So the law and Jesus fulfilling the law. Matthew 5.17 says this. This is Jesus talking. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So, Jesus here is talking about the law, and to him, in his audience, he's most likely talking about the entire Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Old Testament. That was known as the law. Not just the Ten Commandments, but that whole chunk, okay? And he's also talking about the prophets. So he's pretty much just covered the entirety of the Old Testament, right? Jesus says, I have not come to abolish what you have already read and heard and studied as part of the scriptures that God has revealed through Israel and through history. Jesus is telling people he didn't come to do away with that. He didn't come to chop down the tree like we talked about a couple weeks ago. He didn't come to rewrite it so it was more culturally relevant or something like that. He said that it was going to stay. But he said that only he could fulfill it. Only he could live up to those standards. Jesus promises to do what only he could do to make a way for humanity to be restored to him. And that the law will stay with us to help remind us of what is good and what is not. To remind us, to convict us of sin so that we may better experience the life that Jesus Christ calls all of us into in his body. Only through Jesus Christ can we find that salvation. So Romans 8, 1-3, as we heard earlier, uh, tells us this great news. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So Paul here is driving home the same truth, right? The same truth that Jesus said, the same truth that Paul has been driving home. The law that God gave his people in the Ten Commandments was necessary, and it was given to point humanity towards true life, right? And so God created us for that true life, And then keeps breaking in to show us, hey guys, over here, this is that true life that I have for you. Remember, learn, study, grow, become more like this and less like the stuff that damages your relationships and your hearts and your spirit. God created us for this true life and he wants us to live it. And Romans here reminds us again that only Jesus could do this perfectly. And only Jesus could save us from our own sin and our own inability to live according to the law. When I read this here, I don't think, man, Paul's talking about the law again. Get off it. Like, I think freedom. The message here is freedom. Freedom to live life. Thank the Lord that he told us some things, some really good wisdom on what was going to bring death. So that we could avoid that, right? Thank the Lord that he revealed himself through Jesus Christ to fulfill the law so that we could actually know Jesus for ourselves. We have freedom to live life, to live in relationship with our creator through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is some good news. So what does this boil down to then? Really, this is the gospel message again, right? And it's so important that we understand this. We have a sin problem. Jesus doesn't. We have a sin problem. Jesus doesn't. But he dies for our sake anyway. The only one that could, by his own righteousness, have that relationship with God, lays down his life for us. So that our sin problem could be forgiven and dealt with. And here we sit today, a couple thousand years later, with this incredible opportunity to live our lives in freedom with the love and the hope and the peace and the truth that God intended for us to live with. Today we recognize again that we fall short, but Jesus saves. And that our lives are different and changed when we allow God to work in us and through us according to his love. So how do we live according to his love? How do we live this life together as God's people that we are called to? We're not called to live individual relationships with God, or not just that, right? We're called to be part of the body. Many members, one body. How do we do this in a way that is good and pleasing to our Heavenly Father? One of the things um, that keeps coming up in my heart over and over over the last year is a big piece of this is how we treat one another. A big piece of this is our choices that we make in our lives. And how those choices affect the lives of all those people around us, whether we think they do or not. We want to think that our choice is our choice and that it bears no consequences to anyone else, right? And that's what our culture would tell us on many different topics. That is false. We weren't created to be alone. Which means every choice, every sin that we encounter, that we give into, or choose in our lives, is something that's actually going to affect our relationship with everyone else, too. And some of those might be subtle things, and some of those might be very big things. No matter how private a sin is, or a choice is, it's always going to affect someone else, at the very least, our relationship with God. Because sin drives us away from God, right? It's going to affect our relationship with each other. It's all intertwined because God did not make you to be alone. And we know that we do and we say things, uh, not all of the things that are wrong with us are things we choose. Um, Sometimes we do the wrong thing because we just do the wrong thing, or it's an accident, but that doesn't mean it's not sin. Sometimes we hurt others, that doesn't mean we meant to hurt others. But this is the reality of sin and how deep it goes in our world today. And Jesus said that this law, this reality, this um, conviction that we get from the law is also not going to go away until all that is written is accomplished, including his second coming, right? So it means that today, sin and consequences and our choices still matter. Our morality still matters. And I bring this up a lot lately because I think sometimes we treat God's grace like a free pass. I can just do this and God will forgive me and it'll be okay. But there's still consequences for that sin, right? It affects us. It changes us. It changes how we think. It changes how we love people. changes how we view the world. Or sometimes we think that the New Testament negates the old. Well, Jesus just said that's not true. So hopefully we can throw that one out, right? That's another false... Or or sometimes we just look to justify ourselves and our actions. I know it's sinful, but I'm going to make myself look good and say it's not. But the truth is, again, this drives home the fact that our morals and our choices matter. And the more that we know God's heart and the more that we can experience his abundant life and reject the sin and its place in our lives, the more we're closer to God the more we experience his love, the more we live this life together in a way where everybody gets to benefit. How easy is it for sin to drive that wedge, right? And how obvious is it that we need a savior? How obvious is it that sin affects the world and our lives? It's obvious in our church, in our schools, in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces but there is a Savior. Jesus says in Matthew five nineteen, Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of the heaven, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It seems like Jesus saying saying like, there's some really eternal and heavenly value in choosing life in our lives, reflecting the life that God has for us. There's some heavenly value in that. And I I can't tell you exactly what that means, and no scholar can tell you exactly what that means, but the life that God's law shows us and how we treat that matters. There's eternal value. And the life that God's spirit, Spirit fills us with today, that matters too. There's eternal value in that. So God is inviting us into something so much better. And his name's Jesus. I feel like this sermon is running in a circle and we keep coming back to Jesus, but I would have it no other way. There is one way and one truth and one life. And my hope is that we can be filled with a desire to live the life that God is setting before us. This isn't ultimately about running away from the law and sin. This is about fixing our eyes on Jesus and saying, Lord, you have set this life in front of me. Help me to live it by your grace. Help me to live according to the law of the Spirit that you talk about. I want to live the way the Holy Spirit wants me to live, the way Jesus lived, rather than by sin. And we have the freedom to do that because that's why Jesus died for us. And we might get tangled up in sin again, but Jesus forgives us. And he wants to set you free. And he wants to set me free. And he wants us to be free and experience more and more freedom. He wants us to live abundant life together. With Palm Sunday and Holy Week coming up, we get to reflect on a lot of these things, right? We get to reflect on Jesus' life and ministry. Like Jesus lived out perfectly to a T, an example for us to learn from and follow yes the cultures a little different the technology's a little different but it's the same Jesus it's the same Holy Spirit it's the same Word of God and we get to see Jesus incredible love and let his love transform us we get to see his wisdom and let his wisdom grant us wisdom we seek to see his supernatural power by the Holy Spirit and that same is available to us through the Holy Spirit today and we get his ability to fulfill the law in life that we just couldn't do on our own. So we get to reflect on that. We also get to reflect on Jesus' struggle and death, the cost that our sin carried, the length that Jesus goes to to honor his Father, the sacrifice that deals with our sins and our brokenness, And then we get to reflect on the resurrection. Reflect isn't the best word. We get to experience the resurrection along with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The truth that even death cannot conquer Jesus. It can't conquer the Holy Spirit in your life. Death cannot conquer God's plans. Death cannot conquer our life in Christ. This gives me hope, especially when I'm mentally tired. And this is a hope that compels me to live differently, and I hope it's a hope that compels you to live differently too. That you would let your choices and your words be full of life, of God's love and his truth. That you would lay the pain and the sin and the struggles that you have and that we all have, if we're honest, that we would lay those at the cross where Jesus takes care of them and that we would turn our eyes to Jesus, who is very much alive, setting this life before us. The more we realize this as individuals, as families, as the church, the more abundant our lives together are gonna be. Our lives together will become more holy, more life-giving, and more encouraging. And what's the world gonna see when that happens? They're going to see the hope that we live with, and we can tell them the hope that Jesus Christ brings and has for them, too. This sounds pretty good. This sounds great. It's the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and love. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for fulfilling the law. We thank you for the place that it still holds to convict us, remind us, refresh us, to grow us, Lord. Lord, I pray that there's, if there's any desire in us to toss away part of your word or to write it off as unimportant, I pray, Lord, that you would strike that desire from us. Lord, all of us have the ability to grow, to learn, to better understand your heart for us. And I pray, Lord, that that's exactly what we would do. Remind us of life. Remind us of how it feels to be free from the bondage of sin. Remind us what it feels like to be in your presence. You're holy and perfect. that reality in our lives growing and growing. Lord, encourage us and fuel us to spread that gospel and that hope to this world. Lord, we love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name.